Hey everyone, welcome to Millennial Mental Health Channel, where a psychiatrist and a therapist discuss mental health. Each episode will look at a different topic, things like anxiety, depression, and personality disorders. We'll share our thoughts and experiences on the topic, show people that they should not feel ashamed to have mental health problems, and encourage them to speak up when they need help. Thanks for listening to today's episode. We hope you enjoy. Justin and I get it. As mental health professionals, we understand the importance of having a self-care routine, but we aren't even that great at sticking to one. Life can get in the way, whether it's business at work or things popping up in our personal lives. Sticking to a routine is tough. One of the best ways of reaching goals is to have a supportive friend trying to meet similar goals and staying accountable to each other. Sometimes it's hard to find that partner. Friends and family might go a little too easy on us or just the opposite. We take their tough love too personally. That is where Supporty comes in. The app connects you to a partner to help you reach your goals through the convenience of your cell phone. Supporty finds you an accountability partner for a week at a time, and it's a whole system to help you get the encouragement you need to stick to your goals. There's no more swiping through profiles or awkward opening lines. We're looking at you, Tinder. (laughs) Supporty handles that for you so you can get the support simply and quickly from someone who cares. I know that when I have a friend or a furry friend to exercise with, I'm more likely to stick to my goals and really push myself. Same goes for trying to maintain healthy lifestyle changes. The cool thing about working with a partner is that you get to feel good twice when you achieve your own goals and when you help someone else achieve theirs too. So follow the link in our show notes or on our social media pages to get started today with your free two-week trial. Supporty, the accountability app. Hello and welcome to Millennial Mental Health Channel. We have a very special guest on the show for today that we're really excited about. We'd like to introduce you to Dr. Kojo Sarfo. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I appreciate the invite uh, to the podcast and I'll go ahead and introduce myself. So it's always, you know, my introduction kind of varies based off of who I'm talking mm-hmm. to, you know, and I, I guess I met you all through social media. So I am a full-time content creator now. Uh, and I use uh, websites or, or social media platforms such as uh, TikTok and Instagram to promote mental health awareness, and make videos, bring, bringing awareness to certain mental health topics, you know, using comedy, humor, music, and the goal is to, you know, to break the stigma that's attached to mental health conditions. Uh, but professionally, uh, I am a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner. Uh, and I was working in an inpatient state hospital back in uh, Williamsburg, Virginia. I was doing that for a little bit over a year before I decided to you know, take the leap and, and go into social media and do that full time because, you know, I had my NP job full time. Then I had the social media, which was part time. And then uh, eventually things started to kind of, you know, grow. And then uh, somewhere along the way, I, I, I got the confidence to to you know, make the leap and to see how uh, how a life would look like uh, being a content creator. So that's what I'm doing now, and uh, I'm excited to you know do these podcasts and to connect with people who have you know uh, a vested interest in promoting mental health awareness. You know, like the, the two of you also. Uh, I'm excited to be here today. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kojo. I know um, when I first saw uh, your page on TikTok popped up, I I showed it to Justin. I was like, we got to somehow get in contact (laughs) with him. I like his videos. I like like him. I like what he's doing. And uh, to be able to get you on today is super dope for us. I think super exciting for our listeners. 
this is actually the the second episode in like a mini series that we kind of started. Um, it's called mm-hmm. The Voices of Mental Health. So we're just getting uh, different types of mental health professionals on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one was um, a clinical psychologist from a meme page called Mental Health Funnies. And we'd been going back and forth talking. And um, after talking with her and getting in contact with you and, and other um, professionals that we know, we're like, we, we just got to get a mini series going and just get different people on board and be able to share their story and their expertise so mm-hmm. like we, we've told you a ton we're excited to have you so um yeah we'll, we'll, we'll jump so into much. the questions appreciate it. yeah of course we'll, we'll jump into the mm-hmm. questions um no curveballs justin i told you remember nothing too crazy uh <laughs> the first question <laughs> first question I'm i ready have for it. <laughs> first question i have kojo is uh what got you interested like in the nursing profession or in the the nurse practitioner profession mm-hmm. Uh, that's a great question, and uh, you know, now that I'm I'm, I'm 28, and you know, it's 2021. Uh, I started my nursing journey in the fall of 2010 uh, when I started to do my prerequisites at the University of South Alabama in Mobile, Alabama. So uh, after high school, I was I was you know a bright student, but I didn't have the grades to get into a competitive uh, university. So I remember driving to school one day, and my dad was like. What are you going to do with your life? And I was like, I don't know. You know, I said, uh, I might, you know, rap or something. You know, I was joking. And it's ironic that now, you know, we've come full circle now making some of the raps on uh, on TikTok. So that's actually <laughs> funny. But um, I-, I told my dad I did not know what I want to do in my life. And he was like, you know what? Uh, look, into, look into nursing. You know, you can go to school for two or three years and you can get an associate's degree. Uh, you can make good money and be self-sufficient. And from that point, you can do whatever you choose to do with, with your life, and that won't bug you anymore. And, uh, you know, this is 2010, uh, 2009, and, you know, we had just come, you know, from the era where the crisis had come, you know, the, the stock market, the economy went down. So my dad was working as an engineer. He lost his job. So uh, after he lost his job, uh, you know, he was more so thinking about how can I, uh, you know, how can I, you know, provide for my family? So he was actually in the middle of an accelerated nursing program himself because he needed to do something that, you know, was in high demand and uh, something that he could make sure that his family is well taken care of. So he recommended the nursing path for me. So I just did it because I had no options. So I ended up doing nursing and I kept not failing. So I kept going and I kept going. Um, and then I got my associate's degree in nursing uh, and I did about, you know, nine months in the uh, ICU. I was working the near ICU unit. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, I took a job in, you know, psych, uh, at a um, psych uh, inpatient hospital in Augusta, Georgia, because they were going to help me pay um, from you know my school loans. And they were going to help, uh, you know, me uh, financially so I can go back to school and get a bachelor's degree and then maybe a NP or something like that. So, uh, you know, I went into the mental health field because, you know, for financial reasons, ironically, so I tell people that I went on accident, but I stay on purpose. And one thing just kind of led to another. Uh, and before you know it, like I found myself, you know, as a mental health advocate. But I like to believe that, you know, if it happened on, you know, accident, I stayed on purpose. And I'm happy that I was able to turn it into a career. 
That's so cool. One of the things we love doing on this show is is teaching and explaining all the different ways you can get into mental health and helping mm-hmm. people with their mental health. Uh, it seems like one of the things that's really exploded over the past couple of years is psych nurse practitioners. I've actually worked with a couple and who are training at the inpatient psych hospital here in Omaha. Um, so tell us a little bit about that process. Like, What's the difference between a nurse and a nurse practitioner? Uh, and what's the training like to become a nurse practitioner? And what are some of the freedoms you get as a nurse practitioner right so you know as a nurse uh a lot of people don't know that you know as a nurse like once you get an RN degree whether you have an associate's degree or a bachelor's degree you can work in any so if you want to work in the OR you know you pick a job in the OR then you get that specialized training uh if you want to work in um you know labor and delivery if you want to work in the ER or ICU or med surge or psych you know, you pick a job in that area and then you get the training. So with a, you know, a basic RN degree, you know, you can work in all these different areas. But when you go for your nurse practitioner, you have to specialize in something, you know. So whether it's mm-hmm. acute care, or whether it's, you know, pediatric or, or psych, you have to specialize in a certain area. So a lot of people who, you know, get the RN degrees and they want to quickly become a nurse practitioner, they don't realize that you need to know you kind of need to know what you want to do because, uh, you know, NPs and PAs, uh, the pay is very similar. And a lot of times the the job, you know, description is very similar too. But the difference between a nurse practitioner and a physician assistant is the PA can work in different environments, you know, whereas when you pick a specialty within the nurse practitioner field, you're kind of like locked into it. So you have mm-hmm. to make sure that that's actually what you want to do. Uh, but for me, it was a very easy choice. Like, I didn't want to do anything outside of psych. Um, and if I was going to, like, work with kids, I would have been, like, a high school counselor. Or if I was going to medical school, I would have become a psychiatrist. So within nursing, like, it was only that one thing, the psychiatric, uh, mental health, um, specialty, and uh, the di- different freedoms, uh, you get to take on a larger role, uh, you know, within the team. So when I was working at the inpatient state hospital, Uh, Back in Augusta, Georgia, as the staff nurse, you know, I would work with the social worker, with the counselors, with the charge nurse, uh, with the psychiatrist and make sure that the orders were taken care of. You know, and uh, I would relay everything to the LPN and they would pass out the meds. And eventually I made it up to where I was a charge nurse. And then the counselors and the social workers trusted me with information and the psychiatrist would trust me with make sure that the job would get done. Uh, so stepping up to the nurse practitioner um, role, you get to have your own team, you know, and based on the state that you're in, you get to have an oversight from a psychiatrist, uh, which I actually, you know, I would recommend, uh, especially if you're new, because you're going to come uh, across a lot of complex cases where, uh, you know, like I worked in the inpatient state hospital for like five years before I became a nurse practitioner. Um, so I felt like I'd seen a lot, but every now and then you'll see something that you're like, oh, I'm not sure what's going on. So being able to work in a team setting, uh, it, it was better for me because I never had embarrassment if I didn't know no, know something. I would say, hey, I don't know what this is. Can I get some help? Uh, because, you know, like the difference between a nurse and a nurse practitioner is now you have the team. As a nurse practitioner, those are your patients. You're putting the orders in. You have to be able to sleep at night knowing that you did the best that you could for the patient. So there's no shame in asking, okay, I don't know, can I get some help? You know, talk to the more experienced nurses on the unit, talk to the psychiatrist. Sometimes 
the only psychiatrist who can oversee or help you is the medical director. And you hate to have to call and, you know, bug them with like a clinical case because, you know, they're busy trying to figure out a million different things. Uh, but I mean, I will call and say, hey, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? So uh, you have a lot more autonomy uh, as a nurse practitioner, but then it comes with a lot more responsibility um, between the NP and the RN. Uh, it's a lot more responsibility. So a lot of people are not aware of the fact that, you know, by coming up, of course, get the you know increase in pay and all that, but you take on so much more uh, liability. So you just have to make sure that, number one, you're prepared for it, and number two, that that's what you actually want to do, you know? Yeah. yeah. I like to think, I like your, um, your, what you shared about, like, it, it, it happened on accident, but I stayed on purpose. Like, I really yeah. like, I feel like, um, mm-hmm. like the mental health field, like, I don't know. I, I mean, I went to college and I, I majored in psychology and I honestly didn't really know what I wanted to do for a while until like the end of my junior year, right into my senior year. We're like, okay, like mm-hmm. I had an internship with the juvenile department. And I was like, I think I want to be a therapist. And like, that's kind of where it sat for mm-hmm. me. And I know for Justin, you know, he had a different path too, where it kind of just, it feels like for a lot of people, the mental health field chooses us. And I like it that way because it feels like yeah. the right fit and it yeah. feels like mm-hmm. we're doing exactly what mm-hmm. we need to be doing. So I really like that that point mm-hmm. you shared where it's, it was an accident, but I'm staying on purpose. I, I appreciate appreciate that. And also to you know expand on that point, like, I, I mean, I still feel like I am still searching for what I want to do. When I grow up, you know, I say that because you're always evolving. So, of course, I'm still going to use whatever I've learned clinically, like whether it's seeing patients part time or, you know, working in the clinical role or even educating, you know, other people, you know, and also using what I've learned to learn more, you know, like, you know, being in school and having to struggle. At the very least, it taught me how to study. So now I know how to study, you know, so it's important for when I have to like scroll through up to date or look through, you know, articles and things like that. So uh, even if I don't see patients, like I'm going to use that information to help somebody some some way, if it's social media or entertainment. Um, so I'm always looking for what I'm going to do when I grow up, uh, you know, and um, like you said, mental health as a field, it kind of chooses you because if you have told me like 10 years ago that this is what I would be doing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't believe you. And I wouldn't really know, like, I'll be struggling trying to figure out, like, what am I doing now? I'm like, but it doesn't make sense. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. things just kind of happen. And, you know, as humans, we try and make sense of everything. And yeah. sometimes we can't make sense of everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to ask, what was, um, I know you've kind of transitioned to, to full-time content creator, but mm-hmm. as a nurse practitioner, what was your, like, favorite part of it? Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite part was, you know, the complex cases, you know, so when somebody would come in, uh, and for some reason I would gravitate towards like the very, very difficult, difficult cases, you know, like if like a little anxious or a little stressed, I'm like, ah, oh, well, we know what's going to happen. You know, we're going to put them on antidepressants, check in a couple of weeks and wash, rinse, repeat. But like, I like the people who, you know, like, uh, they will come in, their family members were frustrated, you know their relationships with their loved ones was like, you know, like on the rocks because of addiction, because of, you know, medication non-compliance. And a lot of these individuals were like on their last strike. It was like, hey, you're here, you know, you have to take care of yourself or you might lose your family. You might lose your wife. You might lose your husband. You know, so like the stakes are so much higher. 
So I kind of felt like, you know, I was playing sports again and I'm in the fourth quarter. I'm like, yeah. all right, like we really have to like, you know, get this together. So uh, I really miss. Uh, and that's one thing that I was talking about this on a, a live I, don't know if it was, I think it was on Instagram Live where I said that by transitioning into, you know, full-time social media content creation, even if I did see patients, you know, on the side, I wouldn't be able to really see, like, the complex, uh, you know, patients, you know, schizoaffective, uh, schizophrenic patients, uh, bipolar um, patients, you know, who have, like, severe, you know, manic or depressive episodes because, I believe, you know, maybe Justin can uh, add his input on that, but I believe that when you have a very complex case, it takes a team, you know, so you need everybody. You need you as the NP, you need the um, the nurses, the social workers, um, you need collateral information from the family members. You might have to reach out to other NPs or to different psychiatrists to get a second opinion on different things. Uh, you have to go back and forth with the pharmacy. Uh, it's It's very complex, and uh, a lot of times when, you know, you have the complex cases uh, and you're able to treat the patient, like you get to go home knowing that, wow, like it was really what we did as a team that changed this person's life. You know, like the medications that we picked or the type of therapy that we were able to get the patient in, like we made a significant change in that person's life. So, you know, I'm not sure how I can, you know, do that, like doing telepsych, you know, uh, I feel like some of those cases, you probably see them more in like a in the, the jail setting or like in a forensic uh, state hospital setting or even an acute psychiatric um, environment. Um, so those are the, the that's the part that I enjoy the most, like knowing that something that I did, you know, along with a team that made like a big impact on uh, on, on somebody's life, you know. Mm -hmm. I like exactly what, what drew you to psych that team element is exactly what mm -hmm. drew me to psych as well it just felt like everyone was on board working so hard and everyone has such a unique and important role in helping people get back on their feet um, mm -hmm. one of my favorite cheesy lines about mental health is that we're really focused you know, most of medicine is just trying to prevent people from dying but psychiatry and mental health is trying to help people live uh, and so it sounds like, like that's that. what drew you to it. Yeah. Right. Well, like, uh, but you, you're, you've transitioned, you've gone through a huge mm -hmm. life change. I want to mm -hmm. talk about that a little bit too, because it's right. not easy to make a big life change like that. I mean, you not yeah. only changed job, you changed where you live. Like, tell mm -hmm. us about that. Tell us your thought process, maybe some of the, the pushback you got, but I'm, I'm curious, man. Yeah, it, 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 it's very difficult. And I'm still at the point where I'm like, I'm not sh too sure what I'm doing, but like in the grand scheme of things, I know exactly what I'm doing. But uh, today it's, it's different, you know, because I'm out here in, you know, Southern California and I had, I've been game planning to come out to the LA area for, for the longest. Like I've always said, I want to go to LA. I want to go to LA. You know, I feel like I can take my brand there to, you know, to the next level. Mm -hmm. um, but it requires some sacrifice. So it requires you to be uncomfortable. Um, and, you know, I'm having to, like, you know, you know, like ac actually practice what I preach, you know, because you tell your patients to, you know, practice being uncomfortable and to do all these different techniques. But now, like, you're stuck in this situation where, you know, you feel like you're stuck in purgatory. You're always anxious. You're like, okay, like, this is such a, a brand new environment for me. So it's been very difficult, you know, making that, um, you know, uh, crossover, you know. So I had to save for the better portion of, you know, last year, preparing for it, um, you know, securing brand deals, making sure that you're aligned with the, 
the companies that you agree with, you know, their, you know, vision. Um, and also just making sure that your your content comes out the way you want it to come out. Because when I first started TikTok, it was more so of a creative outlet for me, like working a serious job. Like it was nice to, you know, get on the internet and like, you know, put some fun facts out there and interact with people. But now it's like, okay, this is your main job. And like the first week uh, or two, like when I came out here to California, it was difficult because I put this pressure on myself, like, okay, this is it. This is your job now. And like the content wasn't coming out like as easy as it was back in Virginia. Cause you know, like mm-hmm. I'm working, everything is good. I put some videos out and I go to sleep, but I began to like obsess over every video. I'm like, okay, this is what I want to mm-hmm. say. And I had to just settle in and you know tell myself that, okay, you know, and I believe that when you're choosing between two decisions, a lot of times it's not A or B. It's the fact that you picked A and you made it the right decision, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's, it's different now, you know, checking my emails or my assistant helping me go through my emails every day, looking at different opportunities, you know, um, figuring out different ways to help people, um, you know, so just listening to what the needs are in regards to mental health. Uh, and th- there's a lot, as you can see, you know, we're all in, in the middle of this pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the same time, also managing your own mental health, because even if I wasn't going through this life change and I was still in Virginia, like it's still a big adjustment for all of us to be stuck in the house or, or to be members and friends. So in addition to the pandemic, I'm going through this drastic life change. So I'm always reminding myself to slow down, take a break, uh, you know, and like I make an intentional effort to be proud of myself, what I've done at the end of the day, even if it was like one or two things, I'll say, okay, I did a good job because within the span of a week or even a month, when I look back at everything that I've done, I'm like, Oh, wow. I've been, incredibly productive we've been featured on all these different things like i do stuff within the context of a month but if i take like a like a 72 hour snapshot of you know january february march and i judge myself within that three-day time frame i could get very down myself like oh wow i didn't do anything or i just did one thing so the way i'm looking at things now is much different i'm giving myself a chance to just really relax which is, is hard for me to do but you know uh my support system is very helpful uh and my family and you know uh, my brothers my brother my brother's out here from augusta he's helping me out with social media and things like that and he'll let me know hey you know are you getting sleep or you know you're working too long or take a break or go to the beach you know all the things that we tell other people to do like i'm having to mm-hmm. do it now uh and i'm actually appreciative you know, of the fact that I get to go through this because now, like, I can actually relate to people more because it used to be more so, of, yeah, you know, take take your medication and just, you know, mindfulness and, you know, all things we tell people, ground yourself. But now I'm like, okay, I have to practice what I preach. I have to actually do this because this is, uh, I, I actually, to be honest, I underestimated the how difficult the move would be because, yeah. like, with me, what, when I'm passionate about something, I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm moving to California. We'll get it done. Let's do it. And then I, I get here and I'm like, okay, something as small as I forgot to cancel my gym membership back in Virginia. You know, <laughs> so it, it's the small things that get to you. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I forgot to do this. And then tax season is coming up. You know, so having to get all that together, it's uh, it just takes a lot. But when you break it down and you do little by little, it eventually ends up getting done so 
I tell myself, why stress out if it's going to get done? Just take a break. And, you know, but there's a lot of like positive self-talk. I'm having to drown the negative voices, you know, because you always want to tell yourself, hey, this is the move I made and I'm sticking to it. You know, like I don't want to go back and forth. I, I believe that decisiveness is, you know, like I said, sometimes more important than like whether you go left or right, because I could have done well. You know, staying in Virginia, I don't think I would have done bad, you know, working mm-hmm. and doing social media part time. But it's just more so, you know, making an intentional effort to go in this direction. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. I know um, when, when you were talking about like the, you know, how much effort you put into like your posts and, you know, now feeling like a different kind of pressure now that you're <laughs> moved in L.A. and doing it full time. Right. And I remember uh, I was on one of your lives one day. This is probably like couple weeks ago uh and you'd posted like um a funny i enjoyed the video it was a funny video about like um something it was related to like getting the the vaccine and like letting everybody know that you got the vaccine uh yeah i I posted too when i got my shot back in december and all that (laughs) and uh, i just remember on the live like somebody hopped in and was like hey like i didn't really like your last video and then just seeing you like have to handle that and just be like, oh, like, I'm mm-hmm. sorry that, like, you didn't find it that funny, but I actually thought it was really funny. So, you know, I'm, right. I'm sorry you had that that reaction. And then them commenting back, like, no, it's totally okay. Like, I just needed to, I just needed to let you know. And, and just for me, just seeing, right. like, you handle that, but also, like, yeah, now the added pressure of, like, mm-hmm. this is different, right? Now that you're in L.A. focusing right. on it full time on, like, trying to – not necessarily like manage other people's emotions, but like mm-hmm. be kind of mindful of how somebody else might react to something. And that's one thing that I think, you know, I would say I do a, a pretty good job of, of mm-hmm. knowing when I know that I don't know something, um, you know, so if I don't know how somebody reacts to a post, I'll just say, Oh, I didn't know that it made you feel that way. Mm-hmm. Continue to let me know. But I mean, this is how I'm not going to change how I felt, but there was no bad intention behind it. I got the mm-hmm. vaccine myself. I'm not, you know, you know I'm, so I'm telling people that I'm not saying don't get the vaccine. I got both of my shots. It was more so of, you know, a comedic thing. And of course, you found it funny, but somebody didn't. So just like explain to people. And sometimes people will never agree with, you know, what you're saying. And, you know, we have cancel culture nowadays, which is, it can be toxic. You might slip up and say the, the, the wrong thing. And then that's it for you. So uh, if I don't know something, I'll just say I don't know. Uh, I try and, you know, I make an intentional effort. I do my best to stop saying the word try and say I just do. Just do. So I make, like, even my words, like, I, you know, I think about what I'm saying. I make an intentional effort to learn about things that I don't know about. So especially being out here in California, like, I've started to read more on the LGBTQ uh, community. And, you know, I want to know how to use the proper pronouns and things like that. So if I mess up in, uh, you know, in that regards, it won't be because, you know, like uh, I was trying to be offensive. It's because for, from a lack of knowledge and people, mm-hmm. a lot of times people can see when like you're trying. So if people know that, oh, this person is making an effort to learn about this community or now there's a lot of uh, attacks, you know, against the Asian population now. So, when you educate yourself on certain things, people will see, okay, this is a, a genuine person. He just doesn't know, but he's making every effort possible to know. Then people will, will be more forgiving. Uh, and it's better to live that way than to be in constant fear and have all this anxiety about, what if I say this? You know, what if people don't like this? Because then 
you'll be paralyzed. You'll never post, yeah. you know? So I have to like, I do get to that point sometimes where I'm like, what if somebody looks like this? And then I have to like realize that my most impactful videos are the ones where I just don't overthink. I just think about the content. I think about what I want, the one message I want to come across. I just post. And sometimes even if I feel, you know, a little insecure about posting, I'll post and I'll take my phone and I'll just kind of throw it away. And I'll come back <laughs> in like three hours and then read the comments, you know. I have to psych myself up sometimes to post. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It definitely feels like in today's world, there's such an emphasis on perfection, especially in the social yeah. media thing. Like it, yeah. people only put out their best self. They're very mm. refined, very touched up self. Do you feel like this, this perfect mentality is toxic? And, and do you feel like there is a pressure on you to be perfect? There's most definitely a, a pressure on me to be perfect, especially, you know, mm. since coming out here and, and doing this, you know, full time, uh, but a lot of times the pressure is coming from ourselves. Like we, you know, feel like people are somewhat hyper-focused on every single minute detail of what we're doing. And I allow myself to just realize that, you know, like it's a big world, you know, this is a big city. A lot of people are doing so many different things and people don't really care about what I'm doing because they're kind of consumed it in their lives. So I allow myself to realize that, okay, what I post is important and it's supposed to impact people, but at the same time, I can't be perfect, you know? So I've let go of trying to be perfect uh, and I'm just more so intentional of whatever I put out. Like, and if I'm posting something and I'm not sure what the message I want to put out is, then I might pause, but I always post knowing, okay, this is what I want, you know, to talk about. I want to focus on this, this or that. A lot of people struggle with that, especially um, in the social media space. And I saw, you know, a couple of weeks ago, there was an 18 year old um, girl who took her own life and she had hmm. over um, like a million TikTok followers. And it's very difficult for um, anybody, especially for these young influencers who, who kind of ran into fame at, at an early age to deal yeah. with, you know, the comment section. Um, you know, people can say whatever. And then, you know, you'll look for the one bad comment. And it'll stick with you throughout your whole day. Yeah. Uh, it, it's difficult. And I mean, I'm not immune to it, you know, but I will say that I'm fortunate that, you know, getting to work in, you know, mental health and psychiatry and, you know, with my nursing background, I've seen what happens to people when they don't take care of themselves. I've seen what happens to people when they live their lives for other people. You know, I've seen what happens to people when they don't take care of their mental health and they want to address issues on the back end. Then you're scrambling, you're in a situation where, you have a crisis on your hands. So now I know, okay, you have to be as preemptive as possible. If you can avoid a situation, you know, you want to put yourself in the best possible, you know, um, you know, scenario to where, okay, if this happens, you know, you're prepared for it. So you, you don't want to be too, you know, tied up on what people say, you know, because if somebody says a certain thing and you're not in the right, you know, mental headspace like it might you it might really destroy your day week mm-hmm. month and it can affect your content too because that's at the back of of your head so you have to really filter out you know certain comments and sometimes people leave comments because they're hurting too like they want your attention mm-hmm. the quickest way for you to reply is like if somebody leaves like for example like i i normally say that my um my comment section 
you know, it's so positive that you have Republicans and Democrats kissing in there because nobody's worried about, <laughs> you know, Trump or, or Biden or what people are just like talking about mental health and how they're stressed and how they want to feel good. That's it. Plain and simple. You know, so when somebody leaves like a negative comment, it's going to stick out like you can easily pick up on the fact that, you know, that's yeah. the one, you know, negative comment in the midst of all this positivity. So even like if I look through my comments and I see that right now, like I will focus on that and I will say, why did this person leave this? Or, I mean, like what, what was going on? And I'll be stuck on it for a little bit. Now I'll have to realize, okay, I can't stop my day for this one comment. You know, I either say have a nice day or if it's to the point where I'm like, you know what, I'm not going to deal with it. I'll just block it and keep it moving. Um, so it, it's that's a challenge that all of us have to, to deal with. But even as a professional, I'm not going to brush it off and say that like I'm immune to it. Like it's something that I have to deal with. You know, I just you know know that it's a part of the game, and I just have to be on top of things and not let that you know uh, not let that you know define who I am as a person. Yeah. On the topic of um, like content creation, mm-hmm. um, I know I know we talked about it a little bit, but we definitely want to give you a chance to talk a little bit about your book. I know that's been a huge thing. And I know um, just in, in what you've posted and, and like such mm-hmm. great comments from people, like how important it was for them to, to read it and how helpful it was for them. So we want to give you a chance to share a little bit about your book and, and tell us like what was the inspiration for it? Like how did you come up with like this is something I want to do? Uh, so uh, when I was at the end of my DMP program, um, I had been writing a little bit here and there. And, you know, I was ending a chapter in my life. You know, I was ending the, you know, the last part of my educational journey. Uh, and, you know, I wanted I felt like I had the story to tell. And, you know, I had, you know, parts of parts of the book written out, but I wasn't too sure on, you know, when to get it out or what the book would look like. And I went to a funeral uh in January of 2019, so about two years ago, mm-hmm. for my best friend's mom, and then somebody there made a comment and said, "You know, you want to be able to tell your own story because if you don't tell your story, somebody will tell it for you." Mm-hmm. And I felt like she was speaking to me because I was in the middle of writing my book. I'm like, "Oh wow, I gotta get this book out. I gotta get this book out." You know, so I, uh, you know, I continued to write the book, and I wanted to tell my story about how I got to where I got to, and a lot of people, um, you know while I was in school or even throughout my life, people would always say, oh, Kojo, like you, you're doing all these different things. Like you make it seem so easy and is an example of, you know, how I've done things, you know, the right way. But at the same time, I made it, you know, uh, clear that it wasn't easy for me to do what I did. Mm-hmm. So the book was to show that I'm just like everybody else. And of course, maybe I had a couple of lucky breaks here and there. I won't deny that sometimes things work out for you uh, but mm-hmm. at the same time I made a lot of mistakes along the way and I just kept going and I wanted people to relate to me more because if people see that oh he went through school and he got this degree and he appears to be successful and he's writing people will, will think that oh they can't do that but I'm like no I anybody can go to nursing school anybody can get a doctoral degree anybody can do what they want to do you know, as long as you put your mind to it and as long as you don't allow your mistakes to take you out of the game. So I wanted to write the book to show people, to tell people that, hey, you can do what you want to do. And uh, the book was also uh, a confidence booster for me. You know, when you're talking about content creation, you know, a lot of times, you know, as we're talking about the negative comments, if somebody 
were to leave a comment about, you know, either one of you all on your post and it was completely false, right? You would see it and you'd be like, oh, whatever. It is what it is. But if somebody left a comment and it's something that you even remotely kind of believe about yourself, then you're like, oh, this is kind of hidden too close to home because you you kind of believe that about yourself. You know, so with me writing the book, uh, in my book, uh, Chapter 9, I talk about when I was in grad school and I was ADHD and having to take medication through school, you know, and I didn't, that was the only part of my book that I kind of wanted to take out of my book because, mm. like, I envisioned that I'd be here, you know, because I would say, okay, I'll do well. I'm not sure how I'll be successful, but I envisioned that I'll be here in a position like, you know, where I am right now talking to you all. And something will be successful. And then somebody would say, you're only successful because you took Adderall in grad school. And if somebody were to say that, that would kind of get at me. Whereas nothing else would, you know, you can say anything and I'll just let it roll off my shoulder. But that's the one thing that when I thought about it, I'm like, hmm, this is the one thing that somebody could say that can kind of, it can kind of hurt me. So once I made peace with that, Mm -hmm. I said, you know what? Our journey and, you know, what people think about it, that's what they think. And, that's none of my business. And once I made peace with that, I allowed it to stay in the book. And now there's nothing that I can think of on social media that you will write that will like even remotely disturb me. Because the one big thing that, you know, maybe that I was afraid to share or that I didn't want to be out there. Like once I, I put it out there, I'm like, you know what? There's nothing I can think of right now. You know, so even when I go on a podcast and uh, people say, oh, we don't want to throw curveballs. I'm like, you can whatever you want to bring like i, I want to answer any any question because the one thing that you know could have disturbed me i've already you know made peace with it and when i started to make content on social media you know people are like oh where do you get your confidence from and of course it, it comes from making so many mistakes along the way but like the you know the the parts about you know the parts within us you know that sometimes we don't like or you know when we feel a little insecure if we can do our best to you know allow ourselves to be human and allow ourselves to only be focused on our opinion of how we feel you know it can make you put out more and more content that can help other people because there's other people just like you who want to share their story but they're waiting for you to speak up first it's like when the teacher asks a question and you want to you know, raise your hand and you know the right answer but you're a little like scared to say it so somebody else answers the question and then you're like, oh, I knew that, but you didn't want to raise your hand first because you didn't want to be the first one. Mm-hmm. So sometimes somebody has to be like the first one. And I'm, I'm sure I'm not the first one. Somebody's done this before in different ways, but maybe to somebody else, I might be the first one to them who inspires them to talk about their journey and allows that person to be you know, their most authentic self. I think one of the things that really separates you from a lot of uh, content creators is you're so genuine and you, you allow yourself to be vulnerable on a platform that's kind of hard to allow yourself to be vulnerable. You talk about your ADHD, you talk about your struggles. And I think that's why people connect with you so much. Tell us a little bit about like what that process was like uh, of trying to address the ADHD. And and finally, what was the point where you're like, okay, I got to go get help. So in the book, I actually talk about uh, I was watching a Braves game in seventh grade. I'll never forget uh, the Atlanta Braves are playing the Washington Nationals. The fir- the first baseman for the Braves, there was a ground ball hit to him 
Um, you know, so routine grand ball, you filled it, you run to first base. But for some reason, like, he took forever to get to first base. Fielded the ball, and, like, he just kind of walked there. And the runner beat him to the bag. The Braves ended up losing the game. Um, his name's Adam LaRoche. The Braves lost the game, and he, I think he was benched the next day. And then, like, within that week, he came out that he had, you know, uh, ADHD. And he was talking about it. And I was in seventh grade watching, you know, and I would watch all the, the Braves baseball games back in middle school. Like, when they would play, like, the Dodgers or the Angels on the, the West Coast, and it would be, like, a 10 o'clock game on the East Coast, I would watch it. So I was really into baseball. And uh, when he came out and said that he had ADHD and he talked about how, like, he would get distracted and, like, he he was inattentive, like, I was like, you know what? I have that. I don't know what it is, but I feel like I have that. Because uh, going back to, like, you know, elementary school, teachers are like, oh, smart kid, but he zones out. He's in a world of his own. He's always daydreaming. And uh, my mother, you know, we come from Ghana, West Africa, so, we, you know, we don't talk about mental health like that. Uh, and they didn't know what was going on. So, you know, the way that we would fix things, we would pray to God and we would pray our issues away. Uh, and fortunately or unfortunately, we prayed the issues away, and I was able to succeed through school. But I was really compensating for it by taking, you know, much more time than somebody else. I was doing all these different things, and maybe I would get the same result as somebody else, but it was burning me out, you know. So, uh, it, you know, I knew it in seventh grade, and once I got to grad school, I was juggling, like, a million different things. And, like, my girlfriend at the time, she would make these comments like, I know you have ADHD or um, your ADHD is making you slow. You're, you're missing uh, birthdays, appointments, all all kinds of things. And like, it would kind of hurt when she, when she said it. Cause I'm like, okay, I know I have this, but like, you know, it's not like officially diagnosed. So like she can say it and you know, not mean it. So I, I was like, you know what I needed? I just need to know. I just need to know, you know, mm-hmm. and then also talking to one of my, my good friends uh, at the time who was also in, um, in grad school, he was a medical student, and he told me about his experience, and he said that um, with his uh, board exams, you know, the steps, he would get a little bit extra time, you know, to take them because he had ADHD and he was on medication for it. So once he told me about it, I was like, you know what? That gave me the confidence to book an appointment, and once I booked an appointment, I got the diagnosis, and I went ahead with treatment. And, uh, you know, my mom, she was like, do you need the meds? Is, is everything going on? Are you okay? Like, you know, like, and, you know, coming from Africa, you know, like, if you're taking meds, like, her mind defaults to the worst possible thing, like, oh, you want to hurt yourself? Are you okay? Like, you know, and I'm like, I'm good. I just can't focus. I'm, I'm just behind. Like, I have to do this this long. And then she's like, worry. I'm like, no, nah, mom, I'm good. This is just going on. My girlfriend at the time, she was like, are you sure? She was starting to feel bad. She was like, can I do more for you? Like, I, I mean, I don't want you taking these medications because she's like, oh, when I used to uh, volunteer at the, you know, the uh, the school, um, like she would help tutor some, uh, you know, pre-K kids or, you know, elementary school kids. And she would say, oh, those meds, they'll, they'll put the kids on those meds and it will turn them into zombies. And I don't want you to become a zombie. And then she was starting to feel bad. She's like, what can I do to help you out? I'm like, no, this is just something that I have to get checked out for. You know, if, you know, of course, you know, there's risk of psychosis with those meds. You no, know, everything has side effects. You know, you know it'll, you know, stunt your appetite um, uh, or stifle your appetite. But at the same time, like, I believe that 
the pros outweigh the you know the cons you know yeah. uh but for me like i had a lot of stomach irritation so like i'll have to find a, a restroom quick i'm like okay th- this is this is something else you know so that was the one thing that you know was difficult um for me with the meds but uh you know like i just had to you know tell my mom this is what i'm going through and tell you know my girl at the time this is what's what's going on and it's difficult like when you talk about people's opinions the opinions that really you struggle with are the people closest to you like people you don't know you can say okay i don't know that person but when somebody that you know and somebody that you love disagrees with you it's very difficult because you're like damn like this this person loves me like you know and we don't see eye to eye on this issue and it can cause a lot of like internal you know uh distress so it, it, it was very uncomfortable even going through that whole process and you know my mom like uh i remember she found one of my um uh i think adderall something in in my um in my car in the glove compartment and then like she went to googling it and she was looking through every single thing and i'm like mom i'm good you know i, I said i'll talk about it but like at the same time too you know in foreign cultures like when you know, like like now at this point, like I'm doing really well online, all that stuff. So it's nice for my parents to like brag to other people. Oh, this is what my son is doing. Like he's in California doing this. He's online. Like now, now they're excited. But like if like your child is taking medications, like you don't want to tell people that because they're like, oh, like what's going on? Is your child okay? Or are they crazy? You know, and once the see where it comes out, you know, all hell breaks loose. Yeah. So uh, also for my for her identity too, like your son or your child is taking this medication. How does that make you feel? A lot of times parents they base their identity off of what their child does or what their child or who their child is. Um, and uh, I mean I don't have any kids, so I don't want to speak on parenting. I know it's very difficult, mm-hmm. but uh, you know I, I told my mom I'm like hey like I have to live my life and I'm making. You know my choices and even my dad he was the same way too he was like oh, i don't think you need it you've been fine without it mm-hmm. you know so sometimes with family you have to agree to disagree and uh love them regardless uh but when you feel like you have to agree with them you're gonna have all this inner tur- turmoil back and forth um mm-hmm. because sometimes you you just won't see eye to eye we're not all the same you know mm-hmm. yeah I, I really like what you said about um just like for, for some parents or some cultures, like parents will judge how they're doing as a parent, how dependent on how their kids are doing. And, right. and uh, I'm, I'm Mexican. My parents immigrated here from Mexico and, and Justin and I talked about this on like a, like one of our early, early episodes. Uh, and it just brought me back to that. Cause it, it's one of those things where, <laughs> you know, as, as one of the only like Latino therapists in a lot of the places I've worked, you know, I get a lot of the mm. la- Latino clients and patients and just seeing so many similarities across the, you know, and, and even between different cultures, how like a parent is like mm. the kind of what you said, like, Oh, is my kid crazy? Or like, are they going to be okay? And just like really mm-hmm. take that to heart. And like, yeah. if something's wrong, then it's like, what did the parents like, what did I do wrong? You know, what, what could I have done better? And I really resonate right. with that. And I really right. think that's, that's important to share. And the other point too, that you shared that I really liked is just how, um, when you're able to come out, someone like you or, or like another, like you said, the professional mm-hmm. athlete, the guy on the Braves, um, and just different athletes in general, you know, seen people like Kevin Love or, uh, CJ McCollum in the NBA. You've seen people yeah. like, um, Brandon Marshall, who used to be a wide receiver in, in the NFL and just come out and be very yeah. open about the struggles mm-hmm. they've had. You're right. It, it, it definitely makes it easier for, 
someone else to be like, you know what, like they, they're telling me it's okay. They've been able to work through this. I can work through this too. And like, maybe Mm -hmm. I should go get help or maybe I should get checked out. And I completely agree. It's it's definitely the more we talk about it and the more we're open about it, the more we can make it for, even if, if one person, one person here is like something we put out (laughs) or read something we put out and they decide that I'm going to go get help or like, I'm going to find a therapist now. Like, our job is done. Like the rest is extra. Like anybody yeah. else after that, that I like gets help agree. from it. Yeah. Anyone else that gets help even better, but the one person, like mm-hmm. our job is done and we can keep just trying to make, make it easier for somebody else. And I'm happy that you mentioned like the one person thing, because a lot of times, especially with social media, we get caught up in numbers or at least with me, like when numbers are getting so high, like it becomes like, they're not even a person anymore. It's just like another follower, another number, another number. But like when I get messages and somebody's like, oh, because of you, like I did this, I went to go get help and now I'm doing better. Like that means a lot because that's like one person that you've never met, a person that you may never ever meet in your life. You know, they might live on the opposite side of the country, but like because of something that they saw, like a seven second clip, you know, uh, online, like they decided to go and, you know, make an appointment that change your life. So I think that that's a very powerful thing. It just takes one person, you know, that's pretty cool. And I know that you've influenced a lot of people. You've, you've made a lot of, uh, of progress on social media and you've taught a lot of people about mental health. I think one thing that as a country, we all need to do better is get more black people in mental health and black people in medicine. I think so too. Yeah. So like, what would you, what would you say to young black people who might be interested in going into mental health and the medicine? Like what advice would you give them? I would say the best thing that you can do is to live your life as authentic, authentically as possible and figure out where you fit in. You know, there's, everybody has something to give, you know, like you, you don't even have to become a professional. Like you can talk about your experience and, you know, whatever you do, whether you're a basketball player or a singer or if you you just work it as a mechanic, like if you talk about your experience online, the moment like you take your phone and you talk about your experience, like in my opinion, it makes you a mental health advocate. Like, like you are now an advocate. So now you are officially qualified because it's your story. Nobody can tell you that your story isn't important. So it makes you an advocate and you can talk about your struggles and it will help somebody else. Uh, and if you do have the desire to help people, you know, from a pro- uh, professional um, you know, uh, 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 aspect, uh, it can go a long ways because a lot of times, you know, with, you know, the historically disenfranchised and minority communities, blacks, Latinos, you know, you already come up not trusting, you know, the government. A lot of times you don't trust people who don't look like you. So if you look on psychology today and then you look for therapists or you look for psychiatrists or professionals and you don't see anybody who looks like you, Sometimes that might be enough, like that could be a deterrent to prevent you from getting help. You might see that and shut down. You might say, okay, no, no black therapist, you know, I'm done because you don't want to get help anyway. You don't have energy to get help. You know, if you're depressed and you're stuck in bed, you're scrolling through your phone, you're looking for help and you can't find anybody who looks like you, you're going to shut down. Um, You know, so I think it's very important uh, for us to talk about our experiences personally and professionally. Uh, and for those of us who want to you know, do it as a career, uh, it's important to not discourage, uh, you know, um, discourage them. You know, as I was going to mental health, a lot of people told me to, to not do it because, oh, 
Uh, people who work in mental health are crazy themselves. You work in mental health long enough, you end up taking the pills. You're, you're going to end up taking a bed. You're going to become just like them. You know, so it's not a sexy field. Like, it's not, you know, and like, I, Justin, for you, I'm sure people were like, oh, maybe go become like a big time surgeon. So, like, psychiatry, mental health, uh, I, I believe until like the past couple of years, you know, with there being more of a focus on mental health and the pandemic, we're talking about it more. But prior to that, this wasn't a desirable thing to do. Like people saw it as, okay, you go and you listen to people's trauma every day, you know, day in, day out. You listen to the worst parts about, you know, uh, what's happened to them. And, and you have to go home to your family, your wife and kids and, you know, your husband and, you know, your mom, your dad and try and live with yourself. So it wasn't like a very desirable thing, but we do need more. Um, we need minority, you know, black, Latino um, you know, LGBTQ uh, professionals, and because people want to, uh, they can relate, you know, to you know the the their professional, their therapist, you know, their counselor. So I, you know, I would hope that people watch uh, what I do on TikTok, and they say, oh, he's a black guy, he's talking about this. You know, obviously, you know, uh, you know, I'm six three as well, so like everywhere I go, I I kind of stand out. So if I'm gonna stand out, like I want that to be for a good reason you know so uh, you know my mom she's always told me like you know you never know who you you know like every single thing that you're doing like you might be out somewhere or you might post a video and like you might not think nothing of it but people are watching your every move you know so i don't know what black kid out there is watching me and they're like, okay i'm gonna be a therapist one day or i'm gonna go into nursing or i'm gonna be a psych np or i'm gonna be a psychiatrist or i'm gonna be a mental health advocate like you never know who's watching so i would I would like to think that my content is making people feel like, okay, because of this guy, uh, even if they don't tell me, like, if you do it for yourself and you're like, okay, I saw this guy talk about so-and-so on his page and I feel like I can do it too. Uh, and I want more people who look like me to do it. Um, that would make me feel really good. Even if I never hear about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love it, man. <laughs> this has been dope. Kojo. Thank you. So much for, for letting us steal some time from you. Uh, we want to we don't want to take too much time, but we do want to give you at least a, a little bit of chance. Uh, plug your stuff again. Plug your your Instagram, your TikTok, your book, whatever you got. You got the floor to to plug whatever whatever it is you want to plug. Sure. Okay. So I just want to say thank you once again to you know reaching out. Anytime I get an email and you know uh, you know I'm oh so so and so wants me to guess it means a lot because. It means that at least something that I did resonate with you all. Uh, yeah. So once again, thank you. Uh, and uh, to find my content is primarily on TikTok and Instagram. Uh, also Triller as well, which is people call it a TikTok knockoff. But it's similar to TikTok. Uh, but I'm still getting familiar with the, the, the platform. But my two main channels are Instagram and TikTok. Uh, so that will be uh, at Dr. Kojo Sarfo. On TikTok, I think there's a Dr. Dot Kojo Sarfo. And then on Instagram, is just at Dr. Kojo Sarfo. Uh, YouTube, it's youtube.com slash Kojo Sarfo. Uh, and also my website is kojosarfo.com. Uh, that's where I talk about my book um, and my story. And, you know, that's the quickest way to get a rundown on me and, and, and what I do. Uh, and uh, I would say uh, Twitter as well, but mainly between the three, my website, um, my 
TikTok and my Instagram. And also, if you click the link in my bio, either on my Instagram or on my TikTok page, it'll take you to a link tree and it'll have many different links. Uh, and within those links, of course, you can purchase my book and a couple of different things. Uh, but there's also free mental health screen tools provided by Mental Health America. And I think that's important to mention because uh, it's not going to diagnose you. Of course, you have to see a professional to get a diagnosis. But if mm-hmm. you're feeling like, okay, I think I might be anxious or I think I might be stressed or if you need more help recognizing what could be the warning signs of a certain mental health condition, if you take a free screen tool provided by Mental Health America, uh, it can kind of cue you in, into what might be going on. And that could be like the catalyst for you getting help. And after you finish the screening, they have free mental health resources at the end of it. So uh, in my um, my link tree bio on Instagram and on TikTok, if that, um, you can uh, access free mental health screening tools. Because I don't know who could be listening. So uh, yeah, it's a great way to also play that in as well. Yeah, that's perfect. Um, and yeah, we'll we'll definitely add it add it to the the show notes and everything. Uh, as always, to our listeners, thank you guys so much for listening. We wouldn't be here without you guys. Uh, if you're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever you're using, uh, like, subscribe, share, whatever you got to do. Uh, leave us a five star review. Leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts. Thank you guys so much. Uh, and as always, take care, of y'all. Mentals. One more thing before we go. If you're having any thoughts of harming yourself or harming others, please reach out for help. Call 911, go to the emergency room, or call the National Suicide Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. Thanks for listening.